0: Welcome to the twenty-second episode of the Tool Station Western League podcast with myself, Ian Knockholds. and for the final time this season, I'm joined by Tom Hiscock from the uh, from the Paper, of course. Tom, uh, well, it's been a it's been an exciting old season, isn't it? H- are you already on the beach with a cigar on?
1: <laughs> Off to Egypt in a few weeks, so not quite yet, but yeah, missing missing the, uh, the Saturday afternoon. For mm. a-
0: we're gonna take this opportunity to look back on our reflections of the season, some of the highlights that um, that we've seen in the tool station premier and first division, but we'll start with the one piece of business that was remaining and that was the Lev's Phillips Cup final. Uh, at Street on the sixth of May, and it featured Melksham Town against Cribbs. Um, I know what will happen because I was there. Indeed, I commentated on the game. But for those listeners who may have um, uh, who missed the game, Tom, do you want to run them through the uh, the, the edited <coughs> highlights?
1: Of course. I was going to say you were fortunate enough to be there, but um, it, was a, it was a very hardly hard, tough fought game by all accounts, and um, no goals during during normal time, despite uh, Melksham having an excellent opportunity. Uh, with Gary Higdon uh, firing over from the penalty spot uh, during the second half. Uh, the game obviously then went to extra time where there were no more goals uh, and uh, it obviously ended nil-nil. Uh, went to penalties where Cribs had prevailed in their semi so They would have been full of confidence uh, but it was Melksham who came out on top. Uh, five four on spot kicks uh, was with with a crucial save uh, during the penalties from from Rob Brown in the uh, Melksham goal and it was they who, uh, who took the title and claimed the Led Phillips Cup
0: yeah well, I can't really add too much to that um myself. I know it's normally my way to sort of to to uh to give the listeners my thoughts on these things. The one thing I would say is that before the game um I didn't really know a lot about cribs and we hadn't particularly no. hadn't we hadn't spoken to their manager. Um, tony Beecham um on the podcast before the semi finals, we did speak to him in the build up to the um to the final and that was a very interesting and enjoyable conversation he um a, a very interesting man to speak to but um I was incredibly impressed by the way that um that cribs um fought and actually when you reflect on their eighth um, place finish in the league. Um, you can't help but feel that maybe Cribs were one of the better kept secrets in the uh, in the Western League. They had a good season without pulling up any trees, and they could easily have won that. Um, uh, they could easily have won that Les Phillips Cup final, um, but uh, they, well, they took and right to the wire. Anyway, that's enough of my thoughts on the game. <laughs> It should be to the victor the spoils. So, for one last time, I caught up with Darren Perrin, the Melton Town manager, and asked for his reflections on that momentous Les Phillips Cup final. And I started off by congratulating him on his side's victory.
2: Thank you very much, and uh, obviously delighted to uh, have won it for the first time in the club's history. Congratulations also to Crib Street and the Western League in in making it such a special day.
0: Now, I just wanted to um, get your uh, your thoughts on the game. Probably one of the greatest finals I've ever had the privilege, certainly of commentating on, but of, of seeing. I've actually watched a few of your finals over the years. Um, but what was the game plan going in uh, to the match? Obviously, it, it ultimately, it went to penalties, but I'm assuming that you, you thought you could get the job done in 90 minutes.
2: Yeah, it was done. We wanted to play our own game, and we knew that the pitch, like all pitches at the moment, would be very dry, very bumpy, very bobbly, and, and, as it proves. But we wanted to move their back forehands, and, and to be fair to uh, is too two centres, so I thought they were outstanding. Um, but it would have been a travesty if we hadn't had won. <laughs> is during the 90 minutes we created numerous chances i think we hit the woodwork three or four times we've had we've obviously missed a penalty and and then as you quite rightly said it was it does become very nerve-wracking and you you're almost thinking is it going to be one of these days that uh you're doing everything and it's your name's just not meant to be on the trophy but uh luckily and thankfully it was and uh and we're immensely proud to be the uh, last Phillips Cup winners.
0: As it was an incident-packed game and um, I thought you played very well in the first half. Uh, in fairness, you know, Cribs were very solid, but you were really making the running. You were putting them under a lot of pressure. Were you disappointed not to go in at half-time 1-0 up? P-
2: probably more disappointed not to be 2-3 or three up. Uh, Steve Holberts missed an incredible chance where it hit the post and rolled up the crossbar from about a yard out. Dan Kovacs has missed a couple of chances. And yeah, we were disappointed. But we rose and we reiterated at half time patience had to be vital. Um, because we felt that we would create chances and that, that we also had to make sure that we, our concentration levels were good at the other end and to be fair in the 90 minutes of the game I think we nullified Cribs to possibly one chance in the whole of the of the 90 minutes which obviously we were delighted with
0: Now there was a moment in the first half where uh, Richard Fay, the street manager who was my co-commentator for the game and I both felt that you'd got the ball over the line um, and uh, ultimately, that goal wasn't given. Um, I know you had a similar view to us because we were we weren't far away from your dugout. W- was that um, was that was that your view as well?
2: I can uh, truthfully say that it was in, but at our time players were quite ir- irate and not very happy. They were adamant that the ball had crossed the line, um, but. Uh, I must admit that it's overall, and as you quite rightly said, it was an incident-packed game. Whereas I thought that all three officials were very good on the day, and and if I say that, then they must have had a quite good game because I'm quite uh, I'm probably well known to. uh, rate the, the officials at the best of times but I thought they were excellent on the day and that's not just because obviously in the end the result went our way
0: moving into the second half and uh, Cribs were a, a different proposition I thought in the second half were you worried at all in the second half that you'd uh, you'd, missed the, you'd missed your chance to um, exert yourself control over the game
2: I wouldn't say I was worried as I said earlier is once we missed the penalty uh, you start you then do start worrying that it's all these chances are going back in, and there was a bit of a wind that actually favoured the side going up the hill. But um, although Cribs and all credit to Cribs came more into the game, I can't really remember our goalkeeper really making many saves. Maybe one, I think he made down near the near post, but. Uh, They're strong side groups. They got to the final for a reason, because they're well organized, they're strong, they're physical. but I was delighted with our performance on the day and just, like I said earlier, it'd have been a travesty if we hadn't won with the amount of chances that we had had. Yeah, I'd certainly agree that Rob Brown had the less to do in 90 minutes,
0: but um, in the extra time, particularly in the second period of extra time, the the action was absolutely frenetic and both goalkeepers seemed to be called into action within seconds of each other. Both of you, both teams had opportunities um, um, to win the game. It was real heart in your mouth um stuff have you ever known an extra time period like that before
2: extra time was incredible and i I can go back to the 90th minute when sammy jordan hit the post with a header with literally a couple seconds ago and then extra time it was as if to say you'll attack will attack and it was just end to end and and as you quite rightly said both sides had loads of chances and then obviously in the last seconds of the game you'll never get a better chance to win the game than what we had when Gary Egdon burst through and obviously squared the ball to Sammy, you'd have put your house on it and the the Cribs keepers made a magnificent save um, to block it and then the final whistle goes and then you're then obviously sorting out your penalty takers
0: I suppose it'd be you know in some respects it's easy to talk about the you know the penalty that was missed earlier on and maybe that helped to sort of settle the nerves of, of your players although of course then the pressure's always on to, to take it but we're, we're, we'll go to that, that final minute you, 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 we'll go to that final penalty um, kick it was Lee Davidson who uh, who had to take it for you and um, he, he's a character isn't he he'd had an interesting game at times he'd put his body on the line for it he'd, he'd, he'd given what I well what, what's certainly look like more than a hundred percent if that's even possible
2: he's had a great season league and he, he's played excep, exceptionally well this season and I made the decision to bring him back in for the final he uh, I think it's well known that it's, uh, he let the side down and the club down when we played street at home we were 2-0 up in coasting uh, and then needlessly got sent off and then street deservedly beat us and Lee is Lee has been suspended for the last three games and his experience his left foot is is his experience of big games um made me pick him and I thought he had a very good game although the longer the game went on uh he, he found it more and more difficult with his match fitness against uh, the crib substitute, substitute Horace I think his name was who, who gave him a real tough time and it, that was one of the um, things that I remember the final that both of them went for each other the whole game and nothing was left out on that pitch f- uh, from either of those players and uh, once uh, once we got to the last penalty and Lee going up I was very confident that Lee would score a Um, in in training he very rarely misses and um, we did it properly yeah, you
0: certainly did. Uh, fantastic achievement and, and a historic achievement, as you rightly say, for the club and a, and a great showpiece occasion for the Western League. And I think that that um, you know it, it was it was a great final. They, they in my experience of the Les Philip Cup finals, they're often a cagey affair, but very rarely do you get such a cagey affair that has so much um, entertainment. I mean, there was there was there was absolutely everything about that game it was a fantastic one. I don't, having said that, I don't think there were too many impartial observers. Where were there? I mean, there was a good crowd and. Uh, many of them I know came from Melksham
2: I echo what you say there Ian the, the Western League street football club Cribs all contributed massively to an excellent day um, but it'd be a miss of me not to to say how magnificent the Melcham Town support was on the day I think the crowd was 402 of which Melcham must have taken well over 300 and I say this respectfully is I'm sure deep down the Western League were delighted that Melcham got to the final because for a showpiece final to have such a good crowd to have such a good game um, for it to go off uh, incident free maybe one or two incidents on the pitch but uh, how well organised it was by Street Football Club. Um, I just think it shows how strong the Western League is. Um,
0: you don't have a great final unless you have two teams in it, and um, Cribs certainly played their part. Um, and the fact that they managed to hang on after you know throughout all of your onslaughts, take you to the very wire, and indeed have chances their own in both um, extra time, well normal time and extra time. Uh, although I know you feel that you know your boys did put out uh, a very good performance. It could. in in a one-off cup tie it could easily have gone um, the other way and that just goes to show what a great performance they put in on
2: the day as well without a doubt is Cribs Cribs are as I said earlier in the podcast they're strong they're well organised they've got some very very good players they're a well-run football club Um, and they got our full respect they had our full respect before the game even from the games that we've had um, with them earlier in the season they will only get better um, they got to the final on merit because of what they are and, and I wish them all the very best uh, It it was our day, I feel strongly that we thoroughly deserved it, but uh, I hope they had a good evening as well because they've deserved it on finishing in the top eight this season and getting to the Les Phillips Cup final and I'm sure when they look back on it they'll be immensely proud of their efforts as well.
0: Now, one final question. We um, um, the, the season's now well and truly over. I think there's a, there's obviously presentation nights that are coming up around the the clubs in the league, and I know we've got the convention coming up soon as well. So there is still a little bit of league business to be concluded, but um, for certainly all the players and the managers, there's no more competitive action uh, to come now until until next season. So are you in a position to switch off, or what's the life of a Western League manager like in the close season?
2: Uh, very busy same as any other manager in any other league it's a bit different for myself because obviously I'm a full-time employee of the football club so uh, Sunday the day after I was no good to anybody um, but came but come up past eight Monday morning it was back to other businesses and it's any manager in the Western League it's trying to persuade players to come to join your club trying to keep some of the majority of your existing ones, organising pre-season friendlies. As you quite rightly said, we've got the convention in Torquay. You've got your presentation night. We've got youth tournaments up here. Um, so it's never ending. It's try to get a couple of weeks away with your family and try to switch off. But come the last Saturday in June, we're back in for pre-season and uh, and we go again. And we look forward to. I'm sure all managers, all clubs do the FA Cup and FA Vase draws coming out, and the league fixtures coming out, and then start arranging coach trips, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a lot that goes on, and we're a little bit lucky in the sense that we haven't got a massive clear up at the grounds with it being the new grounds. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of other clubs, and we were no different at the Conagher, you'll have working parties at the weekends, tidying up things or painting things, etc. And and that's why I think grassroots football, non-league football is so much more respected now than perhaps the Premiership. When you see some of the figures branded about what Slatting Latin is on at Manchester United and when you see uh, your, your committee members on a Saturday morning painting the go post or the fences round the ground I think people start realising what our uh, important uh, non-league football is and uh, we're immensely proud to be part of the Western League uh, we've enjoyed this season and we look forward to next season Aaron, for the last time
0: this season thank you very much indeed for your, for your time and your, uh, your candour and uh, enjoy your rest if you can but hopefully um, next season we'll get a chance to catch up with you again on the Toolstation Western League podcast my thanks to Darren Perrin there, and uh, we look forward to catching up with him, I'm sure, as we do with all of the managers in the Toolstation Western League next season. Before we get into our reflections on, on the season, there is one other important piece of business, um, and that is, Tom, can you um, just um, take us through the top goal scorers in the league? We spend a lot of time talking about the clubs and about the managers. We don't really give enough credit to the players. So, uh, So let's hear about those top goal scorers for this season.
1: Of course, uh, in the Premier Division, uh, the Golden Boot eventually went to Troy Simpson uh, who ended the season obviously at Bristol Manor Farm, the champions but he did start uh, start the year playing for Odd Down um, where some of his goals came so he ended with 32 league goals uh, and I would say top top goalscorer in the Premier Division just ahead of the likes of Steve Murray uh, from Street who got 28, 29 sorry uh, Gary Higdon, uh, the lead Phillips Cup winner uh, for Melcham, he has got 28 league goals Jared Lewington, uh, a late surge from him, helped him grab 28 league goals, and there were 26 uh, for another champion uh, in Dean Stamp. Uh, in the first division, uh, Asa White, who went for a very good good patch just after, after the new year, he scored 30 league goals for Hangrove Athletic, obviously claimed promotion. Uh, there were 25 goals uh, from Kenchon Town's Matthew Brown, 24 from Adam Jones uh, of Cheddar, and then uh, Connor Williams of Wincanton Town Sam Parker of Malmesbury Victoria both got 22 and they were 21 for, for Callum Ham, uh, and that was the first division leading scores. and then overall so including all competitions for the Cups uh, Steve Murray and Troy Simpson both got 37 but they were pipped, pipped to the post by Matthew Huxley of Cadbury Heath who scored 41 goals in all competitions this season uh, and he is our leading goal scorer overall
0: our golden boot winner hmm well done, Matthew Huxley. Um, excellent effort there. Um, and, of course, the other um, people that we should congratulate are our league winners. Um, in the First Division, Clive Jones's Wellington, who took it right to the very last game of the season to clinch the First Division title. But clinch it they did. They'd already got promoted. Uh, but they won at Radstock and uh, were the winners of the uh, of the First Division, having spent so much time uh, on top of the table. And, of course, um, great tribute should go to Lee Leshenko's boys, Bristol Manor Farm, and um, what was a momentous points tally. Tom, I mean, I I don't know if anybody's ever matched that points tally before. I'm sure we're going to have some wags out there who are regular listeners who might be able to correct me, but 102 points is a remarkable tale, isn't it?
1: Yeah, from 38 fixtures uh, to win 33 of those um, and go past 100 points, as you say. Extremely impressive, suffering just two defeats all season. Uh, they were the cream of the crop, weren't they? And um, it it felt for a long time like they were going to take the title, and they never really let up. And uh, they were relentless uh, over the last few months. And yeah, 33 wins as I say from 38 games, uh, much deserved. And we we, we wish them all the best in, in the uh, in the seven seven league next year
2: we need some supplies for tomorrow... Oh, what's that? It's the Helping Hand from Toolstation. But it's, uh... A hand,
1: yes. It's showing me around the Toolstation website. Nice. Yeah, I've selected paints, cables, sealant and plumbing fittings. I can check up to the minute stock, hit this button, thanks hand,
2: and it's ready to collect in 20 minutes. So get out the van. Can't the hand. It can't reach the pedals. Fair enough. Click and collect. Another Helping Hand from Toolstation. Your best mate for the job.
0: Tom and I have picked out three of our favourite memories from this season's campaign. Tom, which is your first?
2: Uh,
1: The first one I was going to look at was uh, a cup fixture. Uh, It took place in March, early March, uh, and it was at Oaklands Park where Roman Glass and George uh, dumped out uh, Bristol Manor Farm of the Lexalitz Cup, uh, the eventual Premier Division champions, obviously. Uh, Roman Glass and George, who enjoyed an all-right season in um, in, in the first division. They finished 15th in the end, uh, A one-nil win that afternoon. It was a lineup which was much changed for St Mary's Farm. That was the uh, most. Both teams will admit that, but uh, they did throw on three of their main players in Jack Durant, uh, Aaron Robbins, and Dean Stamp after after half time. Yet they couldn't break down uh, the resolute Roman Glass. Uh, defence and they hung on for
0: a, a famous 1-0 win. Well from Oaklands to Oakfields and um, my first memory is the opening of Melksham's much vaunted new stadium we had a stadium tour of course from Darren Perrin um, shortly after it was opened and we put that out on the podcast but um, my first um, memory of that stadium was the first game that was played at it, again it featured Bristol Manor Farm, it was in the um, FA Vars, the fifth round of the FA Vars and it was in front of a, a truly remarkable crowd, over 12 Hundred people who were at the game. I was, I was there as well. I took my dad, and uh, we had a, we had a fantastic, um, we had a fast, fantastic day out. Um, it was an absolute goal fest. It was five three in the end to Bristol Manor Farm, and I suppose if I was feeling truly reflective, maybe that was a fair ref- reflection of the scoreline. But. Um, after, after being blown away within the first half an hour, I think Melksham were 3-0 down at the time, and, of course, finding their new surroundings somewhat daunting, Manor Farm had come to be party poopers. They were the pantomime villains on the day, and the um, had clearly got to Melksham. But um, they fought back admirably in the second half, and um, there was a, f- a few moments where... Um, the faithful uh, at Oakfields genuinely believed that uh, an unlikely fight back was going to be on the cards. It wasn't, but it was still an incredible experience. I think it was a wonderful occasion, not just for Melksham and, of course, Bristol Manor Farm, but for the whole of the Western League. So much interest in the opening of that new stadium what a beautiful facility it is. And uh, they've had many um, days since then uh, in their new home. But um, that was my first reflection of that and such an important game I felt um, this season. Now, I think Manor Farm featuring your in your next um, uh, memory, Tom.
1: Indeed, yeah, uh, third in a row for them, uh, and it was their top of the table class for Street uh, at the beginning of February. Uh, they had a they had a, a nice eleven point lead, sorry, an eight point lead going into the fixture, uh, and Street were obviously in second at the time. Uh, so it was a crucial game, and uh, they were away from home. And after taking a pretty early two goal lead through Harley Pinnell and Dean Stamp. Uh, street broad back, uh, and were are level thanks to goals from Steve Murray and David O'Hare. Uh, Manafarm were then facing a bit of a, a bit of an issue uh, with Martin Stoll sent off, uh, so down to ten men. Uh, but they managed to find another gear and uh, grabbed a crucial crucial stoppage time winner uh, from Troy Simpson, the eventual golden boot winner in the Premier Division, uh, and it extended their lead at the top to 11 points rather than obviously dropping to five if they'd have they've lost the fixture and I think from then on uh, they never really looked back, that that would have been the afternoon, I think many feel that they probably won the title, obviously they finished 10 points clear of Street in the end uh, and as I say, a, a, a crucial afternoon, uh, a crucial three points uh, for their title ch- challenge which obviously didn't let up and um, yeah, they went on to, to, to make history and break that 100 point barrier
0: I think it's right that Street feature in our reflections of the season because of course they were the runners up in mm. the Premier Division and, and so often so easily forgotten um, over Indeed. the course of the season because of course we were expecting the challenge to Manor Farm to come from Buckland or from Melksham um, uh, around the turn of the year Manor Farm had built up a, a very strong lead um, but um, with the FA Vars campaigns and of course Melksham's string of home games we we thought that it was inevitable that Street would be would be caught and would be passed by those two sides but it didn't happen did it They they put up a a real fight to the to the to the very end of the campaign. They held off um Melksham and Buckland for that uh, for that second place. And um you know, that game that you've just described just goes to show how close those two sides actually were come the final reckoning.
1: Indeed, and obviously Street managed to win their, their final seven fixtures of the season so they didn't um didn't didn't joke at all in their chase of Christmas on the farm. And on another, another another time, Manifar might have slipped up a couple of times and that would have let Street in, but unfortunately for them, they did have to settle with second place, but no, an incredibly admirable uh, season for them, and um, they'll, they'll be full of confidence going into next season, I'm sure.
0: Well, my next memory is um, a side that regular listeners to the podcast will know. We, we, we adopted, basically. It's Hengrove Athletic. Um fascinating um, run they had from around about the time we started doing the podcast in earnest Tom from Boxing Day up until April the 1st when they lost in the Cup Um, they lost the first time in the league only a few days later on April the 4th but they went on a 12 game winning run and um, 8 of those games um, the final eight um, they kept eight consecutive clean sheets which basically means they played football for half a day for 12 hours and they didn't concede uh, a single goal and um, I think one of the reasons we were so taken with them was not just the fact that um, they'd gone on this awesome winning run but also the fact that some of their crowds frankly were um, weren't Commensurate with the quality of football that was being played, and we thought that um, really um, Hengrove deserved better. They they pushed Wellington till the final day of the of the league season. They're a side that um, um, we'll be looking on with interest next season when they go in the Premier Division, and um, we hope. That uh, Hengrove Athletic, like all of the sides, um, we want to see get healthy crowds. But Hengrove, when you've got a winning side and and an ambitious side, um, playing such good football, um, you really want them to be um, getting the credit that they deserve. We want to see them getting the attendance that they deserve through the turnstiles, just so that the public, the football-loving public, can appreciate the quality of, um, uh, of football that they're that they're serving up. And um, um, we have to say, uh, or on a personal note, I should also say um, I'd like to um, pay tribute to Clive Jones, the Wellington manager. I interviewed Clive uh, a couple of weeks ago for the podcast to celebrate the victory um, uh, that they had in winning the first division and of course in pipping Hengrove to the post but um, I thoroughly enjoyed my, my discussion with Clive he's a real character and at times uh, in that interview I felt like I was interviewing the late great Brian Clough so yeah. that just goes to show what characters and interests there is um, in the uh, in the Tool station Western League and that brings us on to our final memory Tom and uh, again you're um uh, this time you're down in the first division
1: yeah indeed another another team that had a marvellous run uh, in, in the second half of the season and probably even better than that of Um They were... It's Chippenham Park and at the end of 2016, uh, they had 21 points from 25 games, uh, which included a three-point deduction they picked up right at the start of the season and they were 23rd. Um, relegation was not out of the question um, but then some... Well, incredibly, they turned it round. Uh, they ended the season in eighth place, um, getting 63 points uh, ending the season. Uh, from their 42 matches uh, which means they mustered 42 from possible 51 uh, in 2017 dropping just 9 points uh, they beat the likes of Wellington Kane, Shum and Radstock obviously all top 5 sides uh, they lost only once uh, in the year of 2017 so far and that came at the hands of, of Hengrove during their, their marvellous run you've just mentioned uh, and Chiven and Parker team that if they can take any of that form into next season they'll be a force to be reckoned with uh, and I mean I think I wouldn't say it's gone unnoticed but to, to rise quite like that uh, in such a short space of time um, uh, a really really marvellous effort and uh, yeah uh, full, 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 fully looking forward to seeing how they get on next year
0: yeah one, one to watch um, um, mm. next season Indeed. without any without any question well that um, nearly brings us to the end of um of, uh, of our final podcast for the 2016-2017 season. My final memory is a little bit out of left field, it has to be said, because it uh, does um, concern, obviously, the Toolstation Western League, but not, uh, or not, not one of the sides that we were covering every, every week. Rather, it was one of the under-18 sides that I had the pleasure of watching in my previous uh, role in, uh, in football as the sports presenter on um, Summer Valley FM it was one of the clubs that we follow on the station which was Radstock Town we've spoken about them quite a lot on, uh, on the podcast in one way or another but the under 18 side did such heroics um, in this year's FA Youth Cup now ultimately they fell in the first round proper uh, when they played Exeter City but um, the game that particularly stands in the memory, was again back in October of 2016, so before we started doing the uh, the podcast, and it was when Radstock travelled to Woking, uh, and um, uh, found themselves 2-0 down in the, in the first 10 minutes. I was doing a commentary for Summer Valley, and um, I was deeply concerned that uh, the excitement in the town meant that we'd have a lot of people glued to their radios, hoping for heroics, and ultimately seeing Radstock getting an absolute battering. Well, that wasn't the case. Radstock fought back. Um, Quite possibly at the time because they felt they had nothing to lose, but it was a it was a it was a truly I- incredible um, uh, game um, really to see um, those young men play so well in the surroundings of a national league. Um, uh, side was um, was a great credit um, to Radstock Town Football Club, but also a wonderful advertisement for the Toolstation Western League in many ways because it you know a member club producing youth football players, many of whom who have gone on to play in Radstock's first team, and of course um, have gone on. Radstock went on to play in the final for the second consecutive season of the Roger Stone Memorial Cup as well. Um, but great to see that um, the Western League can produce clubs that have. The depth in interest uh, and um, the depth in coaching to produce such quality under-18 side that play such wonderful football. And those um, uh, that w- that night in Woking was a night to remember. I know it was one that um, myself and Simon Wilkinson, the club chairman, it will live long in our memory. So um, a famous victory there by five goals to four, the day that Radstock Town beat Woking in the FA Cup. There we go. That's my final memory from from this season, um, Tom my final memory really will be um saying thank you to you for all of the the time that we've shared together um it deeply saddens me that um um that we weren't able to have one last podcast in the pub um of all the times that we uh, we met up and um, and reviewed the week's football over a over a jar um it's uh, it's a shame that we didn't get to have our little um, trip down memory lane um, in the RAM but I'm sure there'll be plenty of occasions for that next season when we come Indeed. back um, after the closed season but um, uh, I'm really very grateful not only for your time but all the work that you've uh, uh, you've, you've put into researching um, the podcast and of course the wonderful bulletin you produce for the Toolstation Western League and all of those columns that you've filed with the non-league paper um, uh, it really is a, uh, it's, it's wonderful that you're able um, to promote um, the league and it's wonderful that you're able to do it in such detail that's very informative so on behalf of all the listeners thank you very much for your time and what you've done this season
1: well, it's, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure I thoroughly enjoyed the, the opportunity to to, um, to cover the league for the first, first season of, I've done it and um, no thank you to you as well obviously you are the brains behind the podcast you're the man the technical man as well so I've, I've really enjoyed getting involved and yeah, I'm looking forward to next
0: season already. Don't, don't tell them I'm the technical one, because now, <laughs> now they know why there's so many beeps and whistles <laughs> that go on all the way through the whole thing. Anyway, we started uh, this last podcast talking about the Les Phillips Cup final. We'll finish um, this podcast with some commentary highlights from what was the first of my official Toolstation Western League commentaries. Myself and Richard Fay, the street manager, um, covered the Les Phillips Cup final live, and um, well, here are some of our highlights on what was a memorable game and what's been a memorable season. But from from Tom and myself for the last time, this has been the Tool Station Western League podcast. Welcome to the Tannery, the home of Street Football Club, the Cobblers. My name's Ian Knockolds, and I'm delighted to introduce you to this year's 2017 Les Phillips Cup Final. It is, of course, the League Cup Final here for the Western League. I'm delighted to be joined in the commentary box by a man who knows this ground incredibly well. Of course, it is the street manager, Richard Fay.
2: Yeah, really looking forward to Can it. Can you be my doctor? Can you fix me
0: up? Can you wipe me down? <laughs> Guardiola would like this because Rob Brown's virtue on the halfway line as he puts the ball into the box. And I, that was all well if that had been on target, I think Brown's free kick would have gone in and he gets a round of applause. <laughs> with a corner over on the left-hand side, headed across the face of the goal. Is that a first goal? It is. That's got to be it. Surely, surely that looked like the ball had gone in. It looked to me like Hallbert had got the ball over the line. From the angle that we saw it here, it looked like it had gone under the upright. Richard, what were your thoughts on what I did think was Mountsham's opening goal?
2: No, I would say the same. There was, um, it was a, a bit of a mix-up in the, uh, the six-yard box and it looks to me as if it's, it's gone in and um, hit the back of the, the little stanchion.
0: Melchin could be in here. And um, Kovacs has gone down and he's going to give a penalty. It was a messy set of challenges in the box. I certainly don't think that there was any intent. And I can see that the captain of Hodgson, he's going to get himself in the book and he's gone in the book for his reaction.
2: From sitting at the other end of the pit, I don't think it was. The The ball went to the right hand side of the, the goal mouth, which is where the lad tackled.
0: Right then, it's going to be Higden steps up. Can he break the deadlock? And he can't. He's put it over the bar. <laughs>
1: I I just want to make you sway I want to make you sway well,
0: Hiscock's now at the other end. Plays a ball down the line for Demkev. Demkev gets a cross into the box and the header off the top of his head. And it's, no, it hasn't gone in. I think it's come off. Did that come off the post? It came off the post. So the Malkishm hit the post in the dying embers. We've had chances at, at both ends. You uh, you couldn't make this out. This has been an absolutely incredible roller coaster final for both sides. And um, really, I've, I've got a feeling that we can't be... I think the referee's seen... Yes, he's, he's seen enough of normal time. We head into... Extra time.
1: You going? What you say? Oh,
0: heart will the Melchior captain lays it into the middle. Jordan! Jordan! Oh, what a save! And the header goes wide! You could not make it up. It looked like Jordan had an empty neck to put the ball into. But somehow, from somewhere, Tom Lovell came up with a fantastic save. Now the ball goes out for a corner. Wow, well, I mean, this game's had absolutely everything. isn't it? This, I mean, that would have been, I think, the last kick of the game. We are, we are at the very end of extra time now. It looks like Melksham are going to get enough time to take this corner. The, maybe this has got to be the last play of the game now. Melksham getting the ball to the far post, delivered high in the air, far too high in the end. And that's it. It's going to go to penalties.
1: I just want to make you sweat.
0: Lee Davidson has a chance to win the Les Phillips Cup for Melksham, and only Scott Lovell can keep him out. And he scores, and that's it. Davidson is the hero. He's mobbed by his teammates (laughs) from Beanacre to Bower Hill. They'll be dancing in the streets of Melksham this evening as Darren Perrin's boys bring home the Les Phillips Cup. I just want to make you sway.